Hey, welcome back to the episode of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dust McComas, joined once again as always by Drew Bishop, and this is episode 123. It is Tuesday, August 15th. Uh, if you could see a video right now, we're a little bit more tan. That's because we spent a week and a half out in very, very sunny San Diego for area code games, both the underclass and the upper class. Uh, we're back. We saw a lot of um, excellent baseball in a great setting, um, ate some good food. Uh, Drew, first off, how are you doing? Uh, was there a particular meal that stood out to you during your time in San Diego? Ooh, um, well, uh, I always got to go with Barbusa. Um, that's always a favorite of mine uh, over in the Little Italy district in uh, – had breakfast one day over in Coronado over at Clayton's. Ooh, my, that sounds nice. Yeah, with my brother-in-law. Um, and then let's see. Man, we had a bunch of good tacos. Um yes. tacos and burritos. So it's mm -hmm. tough to single those out. But we tried the crack shack again. Mm -hmm. uh, La Puerta was a good meal. Um, man, yeah, there was a lot of good food. A lot of good food. And not to mention the Matador uh, convenience store on the campus of USD. Frequented probably twice a day while we were out there. So, yeah. Yeah, good, good, uh, good campus convenience store there. Got our, got our steps in. But yeah, we definitely crushed the uh, tacos and burritos, which as you should, if you're out there, you know, that's kind of a, we obviously have those sorts of things in Texas, but a little bit different of, the fish and the seafood and the type of stuff you can uh you can get in there so yeah it's always uh after you it, it kept us going after the long days in the sun it's like all right wh where are we where are we gonna go eat let's go let's figure out yeah. something that that we can't get back home and, and go out there and check it out but uh really really fun trip um long but good days at the university of san diego uh cunningham field there at fowler park on campus just a fantastic setting and like i said we did the upper class and the underclass but there's so many names to talk about we're not going to even attempt to put both events on one podcast it would just be too long we'd rush through it we'd leave stuff out and it would just be a mess so we're going to focus on the underclass group today which was which was the first event out at area code and those teams played four games just four games you know play your four games and you're done type of deal unlike the upper class who actually played four games and then had a final round to actually crown a champion for the first time so they ended up playing five games so uh four games for each team which equated to probably about 10 uh, 10-ish plate appearances for each guy some more some a little less pitchers got about you know, two to three innings. Most of those starters got an extended look at about three innings, some guys two innings. So uh, you left having gotten a good feel for for the talent level, the performance, um, all those sorts of things. And I think we saw that guys that um, stood out initially on day one typically stood out the rest of the way, uh, which was the case with those underclass uh, guys. But before we get into any teams, any any general thoughts, Drew? I, I um, you know, I was kind of thinking that, and this was both underclass and upper class. I was impressed with the arms and also the the bigger, younger pitchers yeah. were typically good movers that threw a lot of strikes. It was just kind of startling to sometimes see, you know, 
another 6'3 guy, another 6'4 guy. And sometimes in the case of these really, really young guys, uh, a lot of we'll talk up today, I was like, man, these guys are pretty good strike throwers being young, tall guys. You typically don't see that. They're kind of awkward, especially guys that can throw really hard. But uh, any general takeaways about the underclass before we jump into the Rangers group here? Yeah, uh, you know, one thing that I've been reminded of going back through like box scores and notes and all that is the importance of seeing these guys in person, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is is really big just because, you know, some of the guys that we talk about as being our favorites, if you go back and, you know, box score scout, you're not going to be very impressed. Right. And, you know, you, you can glean a decent amount from it. There's some stuff that you can obviously take from box scores, but just being there in person, uh, getting live looks at how they move, um, you know, making sure you're not just seeing the highlights, uh, how they respond to teammates, how they respond to bad calls and just how they go about their business um, can be just as important, if not more important than some of the, the just flat out results. Um, and just getting to see these guys compete, you know, I think is important and see how they approach an event like this, you know, are they business-like, are they, you know, messing around, are they taking it serious? Just, just how they go about their business, I think is important too. Um, and I think, you know, some of those intangibles, you know, I had, I heard several scouts that, you know, were unimpressed by certain guys who actually did well just because of their body language. Um, and that's something that I don't know that, that everyone understands, but just getting to see those guys in a, in a setting like this is important. Um, and see who's afraid, you know, who, who's going to, um, you know, rise to the competition, who's going to be overwhelmed by it. And, you know, I think one of the things, once we get to the upperclassmen to think about too, is there were some guys that went to the underclassmen last year that were totally overwhelmed and they were not when they came back this year, which I think is, something that a lot of scouts like to see. I mean, it's, you know, did you get better? Did you figure out what you need to work on, how to approach things, stuff like that, I think is some of the most important stuff that comes out of these events. You know, I mean, just sitting around and with some of these scouts and college colleges too, you, you get a feel for what types of things that each group is looking for. A lot of it's the same, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that's important to college coaches that, isn't as important to the pro guys at this point in the, in their, these kids development, especially with the underclassmen. Um, so that's just something that I always find interesting, but, you know, I did, I did continuously keep thinking about that. Like guys I had down in my notes as being like just major wow guys. Like if you just looked at the box score, aren't that impressive, but mm-hmm. that's what the live looks can, can really give you, um, give you some real insight into the, to the kid as a player and, uh, maybe some of those intangible pieces that you don't get to see by just highlight reels. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. I mean, there's no hiding when you go out to this thing because everybody's really, really good. And it's like you said, the, the live look, you can, when you have all these guys that are kind of at a similar talent level, you can kind of see who stands out, whether it's skill, whether it's talent, where it's physically, whether it's body language, where it's competitiveness, handling the speed of the game, because everybody is is at least at a certain threshold of ability because uh, these guys are truly the best of the best. Yeah, like you said, like a lot of it's just seeing how these guys handle everything because um, even the best hitters were at times, you know, it, there were some at-bats that were not good because the pitching you're seeing 
it's velocity, it's stuff, and it's just never ending, um, you know, in each game you see because of just the talent level out there. So, um, yeah, and a lot of these 2025 guys, um, a lot of uncommitted guys still. Um, yeah. So there are a ton of ton of college coaches, especially at the underclass, really locking in on guys. And and we've seen a couple commitments coming out of there uh, immediately after area code. And a lot of some college coaches. Dur- some during. Some during, yeah. Yeah, some during area code. Um, and, you know, a lot of college coaches at the upper class, too, which is when the, the scouts roll in hard and heavy. But especially at the underclass deal, a ton of college coaches because there are a lot of really good uncommitted names um, still on that list. But uh, we'll start with the Rangers group and we'll go through team by team. And uh, we won't mention everyone or else it'd be a marathon podcast, but just a, a bunch of guys that, that caught our attention. Uh, you want to lead us off with the Rangers? Yeah, um, man, some – some guys we've seen a lot. Some guys we I haven't gotten to see. A couple you haven't gotten to see a whole lot mm-hmm. beforehand. Uh, a couple of standouts for me. Uh, Cooper Fulbright um, was a big time wow um, from a standpoint of stuff and just the way it looked and the ease of it. I was super impressed by him. Um, Case and Cunningham remains a favorite of ours, most specifically yours. Uh, <laughs> From a favorite, favorite standpoint, from my favorite, favorite standpoint, man, I, you know, I continue to love Marcos Paz. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just, he was really good out here. And he, he's a guy too, that he didn't have his like absolute best outing out there last time in his first go around, but um, came back and was really, really impressive this time out. Uh, a guy that we've known about for a long time that I haven't seen live before was Jack McKernan. Mm-hmm. Um man, he's, he's the real deal. Like he can pitch, he's competitive. I just like the way he went about everything. Um, and kind of a, a new guy on the scene for a lot of them, partially because he's a 2026, but Trey Rangel went in there and just really, really showed well, um, spun the ball really, really well. Trackman numbers were off the charts, um, was really impressive. I know he got, uh, you know, he opened some eyes uh, for the people that hadn't seen him before. Uh, you know, those are a couple. Minjay So threw the ball well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Chandler Hart, uh, I thought, threw the ball pretty well, all things considered. Now, he he's one of those guys that you talk about that, like, the, if you look at the box score, it's not going to look great. Um, but there were some other factors in that as far as, you know, balls that bounced the wrong way, bad hops that, you know, were quote-unquote hits. Um, and you know, I, it's a struggle for catchers in this event because a lot of these guys haven't caught number one, these specific pitchers, but same time, this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. on, on a grand level. And you saw it, like, I mean, even in the upper class, there was a real struggle, uh, throughout the event. Um, you know, just, it's a tough assignment. You know, the stuff is different. You haven't seen the spin. You don't know what to expect from these guys. Guys are overthrowing just by nature. Um, and and I thought Chandler was affected a little bit by that. Uh, just, you know, a couple of things that didn't go his way that are completely out of his control with, for what, what I thought was not a bad outing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at the box score, you might think otherwise. But, you know, he's, he's a superstar. Uh, he's going to be in the mix for, you know, anything you can ever think of in that 2026 class. So, um, and then a guy like Luke Billings, uh, 
just seems like every big event he goes to, he does something um, that reminds you of how good of a player he is. Um, yeah. Hit another home run this year at, out there and uh, just really showed well. I mean, I you know, he – he he's just a guy that can do a lot of different things on the baseball field. And, and I think he'll even continue to progress when he figures out what that main thing is for him. You know, so much of his development is spent um, bouncing around, you know, between catching outfield pitching. And so he didn't get to focus a whole lot on others, but he's good in all those areas. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, you know, once he figures out what he really is and what he's really going to do in the future. I mean, you can only see him getting better at it. Yeah, he's a guy that I think as as the competition gets better, he typically is a guy that can rise to that. I ended up hitting a home run down the left field line and um, certainly looked like he belonged from a talent, skill, and, and physicality standpoint. And yeah, like you said, he can, you know, who knows when it's the game's going to tell him, hey, man, this is what you're best at because he's so good at everything that he does that, um, you know, the pitching, the outfield, um, you know, it's we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but definitely a two-way guy. Um, yeah, to, uh, to me, I mean, Fulbright, when he settled in, you know, because it's hard. I mean, the the for those young guys, I think they get out there and the adrenaline gets going and you you tend to overthrow, especially when you can look up at the track main data on the scoreboard. Right. Uh, once he settled in, he threw a curveball that had a spin rate of 3,113 RPM, and it was it was the best – single pitch I probably saw in underclass. I mean, he was an absolute hammer. And then he also threw a slider at 84 miles an hour, 20, 2900 spin. And oh, by the way, he touched 95 miles an hour. So uh, it was in terms of pure stuff, that little stretch he had was eye opening. Uh, Cause I'd seen him before, um, but not, not ramped up like that where you could really see this stuff. Uh, so he was really, really good. And then, Omar Serna was a guy that we haven't seen a lot of just because, you know, we don't really see him in the summer and he plays, uh, plays down at Dobie um, in the greater Houston area. His first two swings were homers. <laughs> he hit a, he had a fastball on two, on two pitches. He, he hit a fastball off the scoreboard first at bat out in left center field. And then next at bat, he, he saw that I think Billings was hitting ahead of him and Billings got a first pitch breaking ball. So he logged that in his head. So I think I'm going to get a first pitch breaking ball because he just got one and I hit a fastball off the scoreboard. He gets a first pitch breaking ball and he hits it off the trees in right center field for a home run. And then his the third pitch he saw, the third swing, uh, the next game, he had a deep fly out to right field, almost to the warning track. So just an extremely impressive ability to time stuff, to think with pitchers, um, the hand eye, the barrel feel, the strength. I, he's a really, really special um, hitting prospect. Um, he's got a strong arm behind the dish as well. And like we said, a lot of these guys, uh, the receiving skill collectively from the catchers across the board, um, it's it's going to improve and it, it needs to continue improving. You know, for these guys, continue to be really, really high, highly rated catcher prospects. But um, hitting wise, I mean, it, it was about as good as it gets for for Omar Serna. Uh, just a really impressive display. Uh, you mentioned Case and Cunningham. Uh, Braxton Van Cleve, I saw him at TSA and then seen him again out at Area Code. Uh, very comfortable with, with everything that was happening. Never looked overmatched. Good competitiveness. Stayed within himself. Put the ball in play a lot. A lot of quality at bats. 
Um, physically, he's a guy that stands out even in that setting. Um, so that was the second time I was like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is a guy that's got some real skill. Um, and he's he's not a guy that's overwhelmed even on this type of stage uh, with the best of the best. Uh, Lucas Franco had some really bright, bright flashes. Uh, you could just see he just oozes talent and potential with that frame, that kind of that long projectable 6263 frame the smoothness to his actions, the, the left-handed swing. Uh, there's just a, a ton to like about uh, about his upside. Um, you know, Hogan Nelson, I had a scout tell me that felt like he probably took maybe the best at bats on the team, like consistently. And you look back, six walks, only two strikeouts, several, uh, multiple line drives, uh, really held his own. I, I thought he had a great week out of area code. It's certainly a guy that I think entered, entered this event – probably one of the less famous guys on the roster. And after the event, I, he helped himself tremendously. I think, um, you know, I saw that after the event, he tweeted out that he's just focusing on baseball now full time. And that's probably a product of going out there and man, you more than held your own on the biggest stage. I'm sure his phone was probably um, ringing on the hook after that. Uh, Brody walls. I thought he had some really bright moments, both um, with the bat. Uh, I thought he showed his stuff on the mound was up to 92 miles an hour, uh, high spin slider, 78, 82. Um, you mentioned Trey Rangel. He had a curveball that was up to 3,207 RPM. Just a, just a freak of a pitching prospect up to 94 miles an hour. Uh, McKernan, you mentioned I, probably the best left-handed slider. I think we saw, I mean, it was a bat missing weapon, um, all the time through really, really well. Uh, Marcos Paz mentioned him, uh, Nico Partita, I really like that, you know, he, he got hit around a little bit in the first inning. He probably gave up more runs in that first inning than he probably did the entire playoffs for Pearland. And then he came back the second and third inning and it was lights out. I, I was really, really impressed with, he wasn't rattled. He rose to the occasion. He's like, okay, these, these guys got me in the first inning. I'm going to be better than them in the second and third innings. Uh, fastball started to play up a little bit more through the breaking ball for a strike, mixing the changeup as well. He's another guy that offensively I thought like didn't look at all overwhelmed with what was happening. Uh, handled his at bats well, swung the bat well. I, I was impressed with him. Uh, just the competitive. You can tell that there's there's a way that he plays the game from just a natural, um, instinctive competitive standpoint. That's that tends to be a little bit different than uh, than some of those other guys. Um, out there as well. Uh, Mason Murphy who committed to Oklahoma, I think right after the event ended or maybe during right the after. event. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was up to 92 miles an hour. He's a fascinating pitching prospect because I, I, I'd love to ask him. I, I think his hands are so big that he throws like a spike breaking ball. Cause you can kind of see the, you see the finger, like one of those like kind of knuckleish type looks. Um, but like he's, there's just so much to work with. And I, 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 he, he's probably going to one of the best places for that to happen. We know what Skip Johnson can do with those bigger bodied pitchers, those guys that kind of need help with grips and shapes and things like that. Like, cause there's a lot of arm strength in there. Uh, there was times when the fastball spin, I think was up to 2,800 and you can see the makings of a power pitcher in the future. There's just so much to unlock there. Um, he's a really, really exciting prospect. And I, I think that was a really smart move by Oklahoma um, that Ridgepoint pitching staff next year with uh, with, with Mason Murphy and Jack McKern is going to be really, really good. Uh, speaking of really good pitching staffs, um, Aiden Barrientes came into the summer kind of a 
not completely unknown, but definitely under the radar just because Katie had some older pitchers and him and Cade Nelson didn't end up throwing a bunch. Um, and now they're both TCU commitments. Cade Nelson was, was in that area. He was a really good pitcher though, but I really liked what I saw from Adrian Barrientes. Uh, the spin uh, curveballs up to 2,800 RPM. The pitchability was up to 92 miles an hour. He, he, you look at his box score and, and he walked a few guys, but I think part of that was he had some close misses and also was, was kind of going for the strikeout. And he ended up striking out six guys in, in three innings. Uh, low spin changeup, good delivery. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for that guy. There's just a lot of lot of upside um, with him long term, and uh, really smart by TCU to get in there. But I mean, we could go through the so many guys we can we can name off here. But well, um, a, a couple a couple others I had. Um, you know, you talk about maybe not liking the results, but you can just see what kind of players they are. Um, Matthew Botton's a guy that we've seen do all kinds of stuff. Mm. So we don't, for us, we've had the, the ability to see him play. So we know what he can do. Um, but just watching him move around, like he's a freak and he looks like a guy that's just tired. You know, I mean, a lot of these yeah. guys look like they're out of gas and, you know, the younger group, especially just physically, they're not as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, as a group compared to the guys that are just a year older than them. Like that stood out to me over the course of the event and seeing one group, then the other, I mean, the amount of extra base hits or lack thereof from the underclass side, just overall as a group stood out to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I know that there was a lot of people interested in watching Matthew Botten, uh just move around. I mean, you can yeah. tell that he's different athletically um, and just a special player. And then another guy that, you know, you can tell that, you know, without even looking at the box scores that when Brady Janusek does some stuff like it is, he has a potential that not many kids in San Diego have. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a long way from a finished product, which is intriguing for the pro guys for sure. But when he connects with the ball, it sounds a little different. It goes places that it doesn't for others. Like he's, he is, he's a fun guy to watch. And, you know, he, he did a few things. You can just tell athletically he's superior to a lot of guys, his age. And it's exciting because there's so much more in front of him. Yeah. He's a guy that in a year could look so much different um, than, than he does right now. And I, he was a guy that a couple of scouts singled out to me is like when he, when it all clicks, there could be something, um, Really, really special there for sure. And then a, a, a guy that you look at the box score and you're like, oh, he didn't perform well. But I thought Cade Mitchell swung the bat better than his line. There are several times he he put the barrel on the ball, whether flyouts or or um, or hard contact at fielders. Um, a guy that just seemed to really kind of hold his own out there and and, and show his tools. But um, fun group, really, really fun group. I, I know people are understandably very, very excited about the future from a scouting talent perspective in the 2025 class in texas because uh there's a lot of guys that are really 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 good players like i was i've already kind of started the preliminary first 2025 5 to 55 and like it's a struggle because there's so many guys at the top that are truly in that tier to where um you could have really big time star prospects um you know and a lot of these guys were were on this list and uh and performed out there which i kind of thought was reflected in, in their performance as well um they they definitely had success out there against those other teams but 
Oh, that's the Rangers group. Uh, we're going to go alphabetically from here. So let's move over to the athletics uh, underclass group, which is the is the northern uh, northern California uh, prospects. Uh, northern California, the A's. Southern California, the Brewers. Um, and uh, who do you want to lead us off with with the A's group? Uh, there's a few. Um, obviously, we are giant Rashad Hayes fans. Yes. Uh, uh, as evidenced by last year and podcast since then and our interview with him now. But special player, special kid, awesome family. Um, you know, he just – he was – great to talk to uh not not surprised in any way that um he was a really good interview uh that he's a Stanford commit I mean he just he deserves and has worked for everything coming to him uh yep. we're huge fans of his game obviously and his abilities on the field um but you know just a good really good get for Stanford um you know and special kid got to talk to his dad a little bit and you understand real quick why he's such a good kid and such a hard worker but um he stood out for me brock sells a guy that swung the bat well uh cash brennan did some nice things um like the way he moves around mark wiper uh was one of the better catchers uh offensively and defensively. oh yeah for sure yeah um, in the underclass group mm -hmm. uh, teddy tokheim uh, big physical uh, third baseman infielder Chase Bentley AM commit out of Granite Bay uh, was one of the pitchers that made the all tournament team. Mm -hmm. Alec Blair, uh, just a big, you know, freak athletically, um, can really throw, can really run, had some really high exit velocities. Uh, Cruz Schoolcraft is a guy that we've liked for two years um just i can't believe he's a 2026 like yeah the, the uh, movement for for that young of a player that size from the left side he's got special upside man no doubt he is um really really good uh brock kettleson uh committed to stanford i think during the event um he swung the bat well he he reminded me a little bit of uh what you know not necessarily the same player but i have i'm assuming that that he had already um, that he had already been involved with Stanford or talking to them, but just the, it was just funny. It seemed like the timing he hit had an extra base hit and then he commits to in the game. And then he commits to Stanford shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. uh, a pitcher that I liked Shane Johnson, a uh, real pitchability lefty uh, committed to Washington from up in Kirkland, Washington. I liked him a lot. Uh, Dax Hardcastle was one of the two, yeah, one of the two 2026s. Um, physical kid really spun the breaking ball. Uh, got he got smoked on a hit by a pitch on a ball that did not look pleasant, just kind of shook it off and went to the base. Um, Marco Jones is a, I believe he's a pretty big time quarterback too. He's one of the kids. He the certainly looked like a, like a, like a physical specimen that would be a star on, on the football field for sure. Yeah. So it's funny. Like a lot of these guys that are, you know, a couple more that we'll talk about later football commits, they just seem to commit a lot later. Um, so he's an uncommitted guy. Parker Jennings uh, from Granite Bay um, was good. Those, those are some of the guys that stood out to me. Um, you know, on a team that was 
was good. I mean, they had a lot of good players, some names we've seen before. Uh, but yeah, that Northern California team, I know they only went one and three, but there's a lot of players on that team that we liked. Yeah, the, the catching group on this team was you mentioned Wiper. Um, and Braden Joxa was a guy that, that caught my attention as well. I think I had him at 200 and 194 pops um, in game. Um, he had some, it looked like a powerful swing from the right hand side. Um, he's heading to Oregon, and it's funny, Wipert is heading to Oregon State. So some uh, – well, who knows what conference those teams are all going to be in by the time yeah. these guys get to college. Oh, but I was going to say, yeah, they're probably going to be rivals, but, like, I'll, I have no idea what team, what conference these teams are going to be in uh, by the time these guys enroll. But um, you mentioned Kettlesine. He really stood out to me. Brock Sell, uh, just not only a guy that's got some tools and can, and can run well, but – uh, also, there's some definite kind of ball player vibe with him that that I really, really liked. Um, uh, Eric Rico was an arm that caught my eye, an uncommitted arm in the 2025 class. At least I think he's still uncommitted. Uh, it was up to 89 miles an hour. Uh, feel for two to strength baking balls with a curveball spin up to 2,600. Uh, true slider around 2,500 through a changeup in there as well. Uh, I like the look that he gave. Uh, you mentioned Bentley uh, threw a lot of strikes uh, for for a bigger bodied guy, young guy, which was um, encouraging to see. Uh, again, we're we're big fans of strike throws, especially those um, those younger guys. You mentioned Hardcastle; um, that was a really good look out of the bullpen, uh, just a one inning, but you're up to 92 miles an hour, uh, 87 mile an hour slider mixed in the mixed in a changeup as well. But yeah, I think Rashad Hayes, like you could have made a defensive highlight reel just off think of off that first game against the Brewers he just was one of those games where he had a ton of balls um hit his way um and and it just it's a it's a treat to watch that guy play defense and we love like you said we love talking to him afterward um you mentioned Alec Blair you could see the the basketball athleticism in that frame um and I thought that he wasn't just an a, a projectable athlete I thought he could actually play like he he competed he had some hitting skill um he he showed some arm strength out in the outfield like that's a guy that's he's got the tools um but he's not just a projectable athlete he can actually really really play um in a, a guy that's that's one of the more highly rated or, or kind of the one of the more famous uncommitted guys um that was out there for the A's but um good group really liked watching them um you mentioned Schoolcraft I mean again I just could not get over that he was a he was a 2026 prospect um, just for, from that strike throwing from the, from the, uh, from the left side. And he also threw, you don't typically see this very often. I, I think he was throwing a left-handed splitter. You don't often see lefties throw splitters because he was throwing something around 80 miles an hour that had the spin rate around 900 RPM, uh, which, you know, that's kind of the, the splitter range and, and certainly lower than most changeups, but um, you don't, you don't typically see uh, lefties throw that type of pitch and, Whenever I tweeted his uh, his video out, um, a couple of uh, a couple of head coaches liked it immediately. So you yeah. can tell there's some coaches that are going to be understandably fired up um, about that guy for sure. But um, yeah, fun fun watching that A's group, and I guess alphabetically the next group would be that Brewers underclass group. And um, I think if you talk about the Brewers, you've probably got to lead off with Seth Hernandez, who um, who led off the event on the mound and did some people a disservice 
at, that had to follow him yeah. <laughs> throughout the day because he set the tone for the entire event. But yeah, like I, I mean, I, I it's my my long standing well not long standing, but my new tradition for area code is that my plane lands in the middle of the best maybe the best pitcher of the event um, doing his thing on the mound, which last year was Noble Meyer. Uh, this year it was <laughs> Seth Hernandez. But, like, his fastball was just different. You know, there are a lot of guys out there that threw hard, maybe not as hard as, as Seth Hernandez, but but didn't lack velocity. And you could tell it, it, it was just different. Like, guys could not catch up to it could not barrel it, just looked totally overmatched by it. Uh, he, he's a really, really special pitcher prospect. And I saw some reports heading in, like, ah, this guy's got a chance for three future plus pitches. And I'm thinking, okay, like, I, I see the fastball, I see the, the spin flash and stuff. Like, but like, no, like, you go look at our video. It's like, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's a guy that's made a very, very strong case to be the best uh, right-handed pitching prospect in his class. But uh, some other Brewers guys, I mean, a guy from last year that we were Billy, big fans of, Billy Carlson, and I don't know how many times he whiffed the entire tournament. Uh, it was, it's really special bat-to-ball ability. It's really special processing. Um, it's it's just his at-bats are just a little bit different in the way that he sees the ball, tracks the ball. Um, it just looks like mentally he's he's a little bit ahead uh, of, of most of his peers. And uh, I think once he had that first game where he, like he just pulled a bunch of balls into the hole. And I think as the event went on, he started to see him use more of the field defensively. He's a joy to watch super smooth, super easy. Thinks the game at a really, really high level. I mean, great, great, great chance to stick on the dirt and, and be an impact defender there at shortstop. Uh, just a really, really fun guy to watch. And he just kind of was on a different level uh, than most of the guys out there, but um, this Brewers team had some had some hitters. Um, you know, Diego Velasquez, so I believe, is the younger uh, brother of. They're not not related. They're not. I thought the same thing, but oh. I, I don't think they are. Okay, uh, could have fooled me because he's a really really good hitter too. Uh, but he yeah, had some. Both, both of them were committed to USC, different high schools, but yeah, I don't think they're related. But yeah, could have fooled me too. Yeah. Um, he stood out, um, Angel Law in the outfield. I thought he took some really, really good at bats, kind of a taller athlete. There's some projection there. Didn't strike out once, put the ball in play hard several times, moved around the outfield well. Um, Brady Ebel, I think as the event wore on, you could see why he's held in such high regard because like Billy Carlson, I think he just – he processes the game differently than most guys. Uh, an, another guy that didn't strike out a single time, he walked five times, just great control of the, the strike zone, the awareness of, of what pitchers are trying to do, of what he's trying to do in the batter's box, um, putting the bat on the baseball at a high level as well. There's some natural hitting feel there. Um, he, he's a guy that obviously has, has some upside there. Tyler Wick uh, really swung the bat well uh, the first couple of games of the event. Just lots of loud contacts, um, multiple extra base hits, had some bat speed. Um, not a tall guy, but there's some definite strength to his to his frame already. Um, he's a guy that kind of caught my eye as well on the hitting side. Um, Landon Hodge, he's he's got a chance to be a really, really good one 
Uh, I believe he's heading to Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. Uh, you can see why. Just the the catching skill, the hitting ability, um, the movements for that sort of defensive profile were were really really promising, and uh, just a true guy that can impact the game um, all around, um, not just defensively, not just offensively. He was kind of a total package as a prospect there, but uh, another one of those guys that stood out to me. Yeah, uh, got a handful more. Hodge was an all-tournament guy uh, that just really put on a show. He was one of the best players there for me. Um, Grayson Bowles uh, was an arm that that I liked a lot. Trent Grindlinger behind the plate. Anthony Pack, uh, one of the best athletes in the entire event, um, had some really high exit velocity or exit. I don't know. It was actually the sorry average bat speed uh, on his swings for the week was really high. He was on. I saw he was on one of the leaderboards, and early on, I think he had a little bit of a timing issue. But man, when he was on time, mm-hmm. uh, there's not many guys as impressive as him. Mason Greenhouse was a guy um, that physically uh, big Miami commit that moves around, just looks is a specimen. You talked about Angel Laya. Um, he threw. I, I got to see him take infield, and he has a hose. Uh, from the outfield one of the best outfield arms that I saw uh, Zach Strickland uh, on the mound UCLA commit was was impressive Colt Peterson a guy that we talked about leading up to the event uh, Stanford commit from Orange Lutheran can really really pitch Angel Cervantes uh, yes had yeah. some had a really really good outing uh, another UCLA commit um paul grossman at usc commit did some nice things on the mound struck out uh, six mm-hmm. and, and uh von necker uh big physical right-handed pitcher uh from brista murrieta going to lsu um had one of the highest uh average fastballs on the event but uh we've seen him before we've um we talked about him in some of our uh in our national draft he was a guy that w- we talked about back for that way back yep. beginning before the before the high school season started, uh, Reagan Ricken uh, was another guy that that showed some stuff that was impressive. Um, but yeah, that that that's a group of star power. You know, Carlson's a guy that we've seen and talked about <laughs> quite a bit before. Um, you know, and he's a guy that man when he when he fills out physically, well, you better watch out because he is he is such a good instinctual player, like you talked about um can really play defense uh fun to watch him play but yeah it was it was a good group um uh Josiah Hartshorn was a guy that offensively I like the way he just took at bats um and yeah filled out I mean it's tough I mean some of these teams like you can go down the line and just name about every other every guy on the list and and that's that's how this Brewers team was uh yeah. they're talent uh loaded with projection and just it was a it was a team that you just wanted to find time to see them play because uh, yeah. they have a lot of guys that just they look the part and they play the part, which is is fun to see that people put those together. Yeah, this team had a couple of guys like you mentioned Strickland. Um, it was interesting because he could sink fastballs and he could also cut them. Uh, there was just like a really advanced feel for just kind of making the baseball do different things can see why UCLA got him and and shout out to John Savage because I think he was there more than we were and we were at almost every single game of, of the entire event and he's locked in 
stopwatch, radar gun, note taking, like that dude loves to get out there and, and scout and evaluate. And it certainly shows in, in his commitments on here. Um, Ricken is a, is an uncommitted guy that I think that helped himself. And in, in if I don't think he lacked options heading into this, but he certainly doesn't um, afterward, there's some breaking ball spin there. Um, you mentioned Cervantes um, can manipulate the breaking ball. He had command of the fastball, just one of those profiles to where he's going to be a guy that sits like 89, 92, and it's going to keep ticking up, but he can actually really, really pitch and, and make the baseball do different things. Um, you mentioned Necker. I think he was up to 95. Um, hard changeup that got some whiffs occasionally. Um, you know, mentioned the curveball as well, 2,400 RPM. Another one of those bigger body guys that's like not just a thrower and an arm strength guy um, can actually pitch as well. Um, Bowles, another uncommitted arm, I think helped himself. Uh, one of the more impressive looks. Breaking ball spin was up to 2,800 RPM. Uh, a big righty that, that again, threw strikes um and, and kind of commanded himself well on the mound so yeah that brewers team uh certainly didn't lack star power um a lot of standout position guys and, and, a, and a lot of arms that could pitch um headlined by uh by seth hernandez's power stuff there and then, and then guys like strickland and cervantes uh next up on the alphabetical order i believe is the hey. nationals no the breakthrough. oh no breakthrough breakthrough which um, we were really excited to see these guys because this was the first time that they've, they've had the MLB breakthrough team, um, out there. And, you know, if you don't know much about it, it's this really cool thing that MLB is doing to, um, you know, kind of give kids an opportunity to be around former pro players, um, to kind of go through the whole, <laughs> excuse me development aspect of you know being exposed to uh events and um like media coverage and professional instruction and um all those sorts of things like the, like the the dream series which I, we talked to Rashad Hayes about which is a really cool event that um MLB did over MLK weekend out in Arizona uh it's just basically getting exposure um for players that that maybe might not have had the same type of exposure um, opportunities and, and, and really getting these guys into an environment where they can really develop and, and, and get really unique opportunities to develop. Um, so it's it a really cool deal uh, that MLB is doing with, with the breakthrough th series team. And they were really, really talented. Um, and I think if we start with this group, uh, you got to start with our guy, Quentin Young, who was maybe the best position player prospect in the entire event. Yeah, he was uh, he was worth the price of admission. Um, every at bat, like you just everyone perked up. Like it was, he's just one of those guys that when he's up to the plate, everyone knows it. And they, you stop doing what you're doing to watch him hit. And man, like it's not just physical projection with him. Like you can tell he knows how to hit. Um, and he struck everything hard <laughs> it was ball was jumping off the bat he was hitting the ball to left center right center off the wall you know just incredibly impressive I, you know like you said for for our money probably I mean I don't know even know if it's probably but he is to me probably let's see um the best I mean he ended, uh, up, he ended up hitting he ended up having a 1.323 OPS and only struck out once as a 2026 prospect 
Right. Like we're not at 2025, but 2026. And, and I get it. All these sample sizes are a little small, but to me, the strikeout walk rate stuff is not that small because of the type of stuff these guys are seeing. So you figure out real quick who can process and who can hit and who's a little bit overmatched by the stuff they're seeing. And like, it was like first at bat, it was like, bam. I mean, he was box office. Like you you had to, everything he did was, was must watch. Like his arm from the outfield and in and out was incredible. And he showed it off too. Yeah. And, and, and moves well over at third base also Um, can definitely stick there. Uh, You know, I don't know what it'll end up being, but man, like he's a guy that, you know, there's, there's becoming increasingly less of them that are just like, no doubt, you know, like top 10 type players Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, are just never going to go to college. Um, And I'm putting a lot of, you know, words in his mouth or, you know, I don't even know what, what their stance is on it, but he does not strike me as a guy that uh, will end up in college just because he's going to go that high. Um, It just, he's, he's special. He's different. Uh, But uh, another thing about this MLB team is they have a lot of 2026s. It's almost, I don't know if it's half, but it's pretty close. Um, But as a group, they were really, really impressive. Um, and they got better as the week went on. And I think part of that's kind of the youth is once they kind of got their feet wet and, and saw that they could compete, that's exactly what they did. Uh, Madrid Tucker, uh, yes. electric player. Mm-hmm. You can tell he can really defend. I was looking at some of his Twitter stuff. He's, uh, he's starting to get some offers from some real uh, football programs too, I think as a receiver. Uh, Caleb Trailer was a guy that showed well. I, I really liked him throughout the yep. week. Taylor uh, liked the way he moved defensively. Cal commit. Rookie Shepard, uh, Miami commit from Las Vegas, was one of my favorite players in the entire event. Uh, just, you know, just hard-nosed, played hard, uh, made really good contact, was tough behind the plate, um, you know, took some extra bases on some balls in the dirt. Uh, just really fun player. Bryce Robinson of Tulane commit out of Louisiana. Uh, Dylan Minity uh, was a guy that I really enjoyed watching play. And I couldn't couldn't help but think he reminded me a lot of um, uh, Trey Morgan. Trey Morgan. Uh, lefty. He's got the hair, plays first base, plays outfield, and is just a big-time baseball player. Just seemed to have a really good feel for the game. Even hit. Even came in and pitched. Uh, Xavier Mitchell, one of our local guys here from Prestonwood, uh, Texas commit, uh, went four innings with one of the best pitching performances of the entire underclass. Um, just changed speeds, moved the ball around, you know, was, was one of the few guys that I felt like just wasn't trying to go up there and light up the radar gun. Yeah. Like, and another guy on the team that did that, that I'll get to in a little bit is Miles Scott, but those guys just went out there and pitched and competed. They weren't, you know, there it, it's real easy with a, with a hundred plus radar guns and a track man on the board sitting back there, um, in an event that's like kind of built for that. You know, built for scouting. It's tough to just go out there uh, and pitch sometimes. And <clears throat> both of those guys really did that. Clayton Arma impressed me on the mound. Silas Newport, a Houston kid out of straight Jesuit. Uh, you know, we've seen him before. He did some nice things at the plate. Miles Young, um, I thought maybe he might be hurt early in the event because he wasn't hitting a lot, but then he got in there in the box and crushed the ball. He hammered the ball a couple of times. Like, I mean, first 
I think he hit a, I want to say he hit a double in his first at bat. Ball jumped off his bat, hit a home run later. Just, I mean, he reminded real quick while he's the type of prospect that he is. Uh, Jonathan Williams uh, did some nice things, played some third base. Jaden Blalack, another <laughs> Texas kid from the Bo Porter Academy. Um, he didn't get to hit a lot, but I know he can hit. But, man, he really impressed me on the mound. He was good, yeah. Yeah, uh, I just – man, I just really liked – I just really liked the way he competed on the mound, the way he changed speeds, attacked. Like, there's a lot to like there with Jaden. Uh, Miles Mace, another Texas kid. Uh, we haven't gotten to see a whole lot um, in any of our stuff, but uh, get to see why he's a big prospect. He caught caught pretty well. Um, had some good at bats. Alexander Mercurius, who was the I think most valuable pitcher, I want to say, at the Bregman last year, uh, out of out of Las Vegas. Um, uh, stat line wise, he it wasn't his best outing, but he did enough things to show you why he's a big time pitching prospect. Bryce Miller, uh, again, the same thing. You know, if you look at the box score, not going to blow you away, but. There were some real flashes there for him. I liked watching him throw uh, something to work with there. Uh, Miles Scott, like I mentioned earlier, lefty. He reminded me of J.P. Howell. Uh, you know, lefty that's not going to beat you with velo, but just knows how to pitch. And you look up and your game's almost over and he's just completely dominated you. Uh, but just fun to watch him pitch. Uh, Dean Hanna, Texas kid, Texas commit from China Spring. Um, he can hit. And you can see, yeah, some, it's a, it's a, it comes off the barrel different. <laughs> and it's not just the power profile. No, he, he can, he can get to it. Yeah. He has an idea what he's trying to do in the box. Took good swings. Donovan Jeffrey uh, is a big time prospect that we've seen his name all over the place. Uh, he was one of those guys that was in the tops of the average bat speed. Uh, and then Savion Sims, another kid that we've seen, um, before in some of our events uh, from Edmond Santa Fe, uh, just a lot of intrigue there. Um, just all the all the tools that you could ever want in a player uh, exist in Savion, um, and you can you can see that, that he's got a chance to be special. And then another guy that I liked a lot, uh, Brendan Lewis, um, two way guy, really well, good slider. Yeah, and just man, he was he was impressive in his outing, um, and. Then uh, Jonathan Griggs, catcher, like you, it's always fun to when when you can pick out a guy on a roster that you can tell the whole team just really likes and roots mm -hmm. for. Uh, every time he came to play, you could tell everyone was locked in and watching him compete. 2026 from the Walker School in Atlanta. Um, just this group was fun, man, and you could tell they kind of felt their way through the opening parts, but they had a lot of energy. They played really hard. Uh, and I just, I enjoyed watching them play a lot. Like really like the way that team's put together a lot of special talent, uh, good looking kids, um, kids that competed, looked like they were having fun. Um, and they had the ultimate hype man in the dugout leading the way. I guess I was watching some, watching a video of Madrid Tucker and I guess they were, he was mic'd up and they were talking about, uh, about the guy who leads their stretching and all that and was definitely the loudest guy in the ballpark. Um, whenever he was there, uh, just, you can tell he has the, uh, the attention of those kids and, and means a lot to them and kind of sets the tone for those guys on a daily basis, but enjoyed watching that group a lot over the course of the week. Yeah. Madrid Tucker didn't just have tools and talent. <laughs> he, he played really hard. Um, 
he had a couple routine ground balls and it was down the line as fast as he could possibly go in the four, one, four, two range from the right side. Like he, he competes. Um, and, and he really, really impressed me. Like just his effort consistently across the board uh, with standout stuff. Rookie Shepard, like if, if Quentin Young's not the best position player prospect in the event, I, I think rookie Shepard's certainly up there. Um, really advanced hit feel short, good swing from the left side. Uh, didn't, didn't strike out once hit 500. He caught, um, he played middle infield. Like this is a really uniquely talented and skilled player that can, that can flat out hit. Uh, it was really fun to watch him. Uh, you mentioned Lewis, the slider really, really stood out uh, with him. Um, Savion Sims was kind of in and out control wise. We could see the stuff that was really, really exciting there. Um, and then uh, Mercurius, his his changeups got a real, real chance. I had it marked down as a, as a future plus changeup, uh, just the way it came out of the hand, kind of one of those higher spin circle looks um, that's going to really give left-handed hitters uh, a lot of issues in the future um, on the mound there. But, um, yeah, just a, a really, really fun group. Uh, you mentioned Caleb Trailer. I had him written down, I think, every single time like he hit in a game just because of the way the ball came off the bat, um, what kind of ability he did. And, like, Miles Young, man, like he hit a ball 105 miles an hour for a single. I, I, that's got to be the highest – the the highest exit velocity from the underclass event like it's i remember uh, when we fir- we first it was second who was, was first uh i think one of cerna's home runs was first really yeah oh wow um i remember we first yeah because it was one <clears throat> miles young was 104.7 and uh cerna one of cerna's home runs was 104.8 oh okay um, I remember when we first saw Miles Young, it was like, oh yeah, the physical projection. Like now you see him, like it's he's filled out, man. He is a strong, athletic guy. Um, strikes were an issue on the mound, but he he didn't lack arm strength. I think he was up to 91 or 92 miles an hour. Uh, so he's just a really, really uniquely talented guy. And uh, it was a blast to watch these guys. The energy they played with, the competitiveness, the camaraderie, uh, seeing all these former pro guys just dialed in, coaching these guys, Brian Hunter, uh, Marquise Grissom, uh, Marvin Freeman, uh, Carlos Munoz, like uh, just so, so many pro guys in that in that uh, in that dugout. And like they're in it, man. It's it's not just for looks. It's not just something to do. Um, they're offering a lot of great instruction, a lot of great encouragement. And you can tell these guys are totally benefiting from it. And, you know, we, we said we interviewed Rashad Hayes. You can hear him talk about that because he was part of the breakthrough series as well um, with the MLB develops program. So he spent a lot of time playing with these guys uh, throughout the summer as well, but a great group. And, um, you know, it sounds like next year at area code, there's going to be an upper class breakthrough team and an underclass breakthrough team. So, we're probably going to see a lot of these 2025 guys with the upper class and then maybe some of these 2026 guys on the underclass group. But I think, I think rookie Shepard and Quentin Young will probably get a chance to play with the upper class um, if they choose, because uh, they are certainly that good. Um, After the MLB breakthrough series, we have the nationals um, underclass group. The nationals are comprised of just a little bit of all locations 
Um, a lot of Southeast presence, but they've they've kind of got some guys from all over the place as well. And I, I know a guy that we were excited to see uh, was Vanderbilt commitment 2025 outfielder Dean Moss, who if you look at the stat line, you see, ah, 250, you know, 500 on base, like, but if you watched his at-bats and in, in the skill and the, the barrel control, uh, it was, it was, it was special stuff from the left-handed hitting side. Like I can see why he got there with this reputation uh, as being one of the better left-handed hitting prospects um, in the country. And he had an at-bat, it might've, it was like one of the first games, I think, where, uh, he saw a guy that was throwing a really, really good breaking ball in first pitch, and it kind of backed him up a little bit. And I think it was a left-on-left -left matchup too. And the same pitcher tried to go back to it because, as you would, if you saw a guy that didn't react well to it, and he smacked a liner right at the shortstop. It's like, okay, that's that's a that's a little bit different uh, than most guys your age uh, when they get to the batter's box. So it can really make adjustments. Uh, really good barrel feel, uh, just a guy that was fun to watch. And then his little brother, Dylan Moss, uh, a catcher who's actually committed to Stanford. Um, he's got some athleticism. He's got some skill, high energy guy. Um, it, it didn't record a hit, but I thought his at-bats were fine, especially for a 2026 prospect. Um, shows some arm strength behind the dish as well. Uh, a, a guy to, to, that was really fun to watch, and uh, you can certainly see why that that Stanford's already jumped on that one and got a commitment from Dylan Moss. Yeah, a couple guys that stood out to me: uh, Jackson Roper, Florida commit. Um, I just really like the way he hit and played the game. Uh, Cannon Golden, the guy that we've seen and talked mm -hmm. to before or talked about before, uh, Ole Miss commit out of Buford, Georgia. Um, started off a little slow, and then he started to show who he really is as a prospect, did some nice things late. Uh, but you can just tell by watching him move. He's a star. Uh, RJ Cope, uh, big left-left um, pitcher, uh, first baseman. Uh, I know he's been – he's a, a big name on the circuit. Uh, you just like seeing a kid that's that big, that's that athletic, uh, do some nice stuff. Marshall Luke uh, out of Louisiana, surprisingly an LSU commit um but looked good on the mound uh alexander peck arkansas commit out of uh out of nashville area uh was impressive uh and then let's see dylan perez uh baylor commit from bernie uh did a couple of nice things as well uh so it was uh this was a group that you know as a group you can tell they were you know they're a lot more spread out um geographically and uh you know they it's it's tough for those teams like you mentioned the camaraderie from that breakthrough team you know I think that played into some of the overall performance I know winning and losing isn't everything in this event mm -hmm. um it's not definitely not the main thing in a lot of circumstances for this but uh but yeah they they had a tough time uh going 0 and 4 but uh some special players in the group um uh Fleming Hall was another guy on the mound. Uh, Mikhail Holden, Alabama commit, uh, two-way guy. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Avery Shiflett, uh, Georgia commit. Uh, Peyton Miller, Avon Amos, or Evan Amos. Those are some guys that I had written down as performing well over the course of the week. Um, some intriguing arms, uh, even if the results didn't match the stuff. Uh, but a lot of talent there. Um, 
they're they're probably I would say probably the team I knew the least about going in. Um and you know just but we got really enjoyed getting to see a lot of these a lot of these guys play for the first time as well. Yeah, uh you mentioned Shiflet. I, I liked him. Uh, a lot of strike throwing, um, can sink it. Uh, a guy from the left side, I think, is going to be a good strike thrower. He already is a good strike thrower. I think he's going to continue to be a good strike thrower in the future. Just had a really good temperament on the mound, the way he carried himself, the way he competed, just went after guys, moved the fastball around. Um, I liked him. And then um, Evan Hankins, uh, a two-way prospect, uh, hitting the middle of that lineup as a left big, tall left-handed hitter, first baseman. But um, he got on the mound, and I really like the look on the mound. Uh, I think I, I think long-term – that might be where he best fits. He was up to 91 miles an hour. Um, just like another one of those taller guys. He had good bend, good delivery, uh, change up feel, slider feel, a lot of strikes. I like the shape of the slider. Uh, I think that it's going to be tough uh, to keep him off the mound. Um, he's a Tennessee commitment. You mentioned Holden. Um, this, this stuff visually was much better than the results. And I think that like once he gets – more reps, more more skill development. Maybe maybe when he gets to college or, or professional baseball, whichever route he goes, he's a really good looking kid physically. Um, the shape of everything was so good that I think it's just a matter of like understanding how to use it and harness it. Um, maybe the delivery tweak. I thought that you know he just didn't have any deception in his delivery, and I think that kind of allowed guys to time him up uh, because it was a really high spin breaking ball uh, that really flashed a couple of times. It's one of the better breaking balls that I saw. Um, change up lively change up with some movement um, and then a, in the fastball I think that was up to 89 miles an hour so um, he certainly doesn't lack talent for sure um, but yeah a talented group uh, it's fun watching the Moss brothers um, I, I left a big fan uh, of what uh, Hankins can do long term on the mound um, and he had some bright moments offensively but I, I think when you see a lefty get on the mound like that being a 2025 guy uh, it, it's hard not to dream of what that could become at the next level yeah, no doubt for sure. Uh, yeah, moving on to that Cincinnati team, uh, the Reds, you know, we talk about them just having uh, year in, year out, having really good defensive players. Um, this year was no different. I think the Reds had my favorite player from the underclass event uh, in Tate Southasine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what a baseball player. I mean, like I, you know, I joked about this a bunch since d- during and since the event, but I need to get a hold of the South Essene, uh parents and <laughs> figure out what they do for their boys. Um, I'm interested in what what development uh, path they put every South Essene boy uh, in the state of Nevada on because they're all going major D1 to play baseball. Yes. Uh, but Tate uh, was definitely one of the best players Um on that Cincinnati Reds team, if not the entire event. I mean, he was, he was probably my MVP of the event. Um, he's really not good. We got a chance to talk to him and, and you can see why he's a good baseball player, just elite feel, uh, very humble, uh, just, you know, has a quiet confidence about him and he just gets in there and crushes baseball, steals bases, plays wherever he needs to uh, just an elite baseball player with a great feel for the game. That's just, and incredibly fun to watch. Uh, Jalen Payne, a uh, really athletic guy. I think he got hurt like diving back into first on a pickoff, but mm-hmm. um, so. 
really athletic kid. Uh, did some nice things before getting banged up. Thomas Stewart. If you, if you haven't seen his five-tool profile, he's got some of the best defensive plays we captured last year. Center fielder for Hamilton. He's He can really go get in the outfield. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Thomas Stewart's a guy that we saw earlier this summer in one of our events, Virginia commit. Uh, really, really good player, uh, two-way guy. Um, we saw him dominate on the mound uh, in Melissa. Uh, but out here this week, he was more of a hitter. Uh, Ethan Klaus, AM commit, can really hit, can really play the game. Just like the way he moves and goes about his business. Riker Waite, Riker Waite uh, from Queen Creek, who we'll have in our five-tool fest next year. Short nice. shot. Uh, Oregon State commit, good, really good player. Jack Laflam um, was, to me, one of the uh, best pitching performances of the entire event. I really yes. him throw. Um, Brock Cross, two-way guy, caught pitch. Um, let's see, who else? And then <laughs> Brett Crossland, a big uncommitted arm out of Mountain Point in Phoenix, uh, were some of the guys that really stood out to me on this mm. team. Um, they're a team that I just I just like the way they play. Boston Kellner uh, had some really high exit velocities throughout the course of the week, uh, and then Caleb Danzison Danzison uh, was a guy I think that was, he was all tournament for the week and, and rightfully so. Uh, but this group was fun. Gannon Dwyer is another guy I had written down uh, Arizona commit uh, from Catalina Foothills High School, but. Uh, yeah, I always like watching the Reds teams play. They just seem to play the game right, um, know how to play baseball, not just being physical prospects. Um, and this year was no different for them. Yeah, fun fun group. And I thought it was interesting to hear South Essene say, because, you know, him and his brother are not big guys. Right. You, you're, you're not going to be wild by them physically. And uh, he said that he he trains because like their hand and bat speed, but like really like especially Tate's really stood out like they can get to velocity and they can hit it. You're not knocking the bat out of their hands. And he trains for bat speed, like not the you know, not the the kind of the you know, he's not going to driveline or anything like that. But, I you know, I was like, hey, man, like you've got bat speed. Hand, like, do you train that? And he it's like, yeah, I, I use a heavier bat and train for it. Um, I was like, huh, OK, that's interesting. But. I mean, like he steals bases, he makes defensive plays in center field, infield, like he is just it's full throttle all the time, but it's an under control full throttle. But he's thinking of every single time he's on the field, he's thinking of a way to impact winning or take advantage of, of what the game is giving him. If a pitcher falls asleep, he's taking a bag. If a ball gets away from the infielder or it's in the dirt from the catcher, he's looking to take a bag like he's. He wants the baseball. He wants to be a part of the action. I mean, just a really, really fun guy to watch. Um, you mentioned Crosland. He was up to 94, big physical righty. Uh, another one of those guys, I think that there's not much deception to the delivery. So it kind of the fastball could play down a little bit for a guy that was up to 94. But uh, big, strong guy that three strikes, uh, firm changeup. Uh, 85 to 86, 76 mile an hour curveball. He's got the makings of a, a durable, sturdy weekend starter at a big time program um, at the next level. You mentioned Laughlin. I thought that, yeah, like you said, one of the better performances um, of the event. Um, you know, curveball, uh, the slider spin was up to 2,700, uh, fastball up to 93 miles an hour. Just a guy that the stuff and the performance were, were really, really good. Um, you know, you could tell that the hitters did not enjoy 
um, getting into the batter's box um, against him. And then uh, Ethan Klaus, who I think kind of gave us some Walker Martinish vibes. Yeah. Just, you know, just the body, the left-handed swing, the actions at shortstop. Uh, I thought he took some some really quality at bats. Ball came off the bat well. Uh, a guy from Palo Verde in Nevada who's who's heading to Texas A&M. Uh, great, great, fantastic get for the Aggies to go out there um, and, and land a commitment from Ethan Klaus. But um, left a big fan of him. Uh, Joe Forbes behind the plate, catching-wise from Mountain Ridge, coming to Arizona. And I, uh, caught I, my eye. Got to play a little bit late in the upperclassmen as well. Um, That's right. I I was like, wait a minute. I, I was kind of looking, um, and I was like, I could have sworn I've seen this guy before. And then, sure enough, he was he was in there. Hey, man, you you got to find some catchers at some point. Um, might as well uh, might as well bring up a guy from the underclass, and uh, he certainly can more than hold his own there. But um, yeah, just a really really fun group to watch. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Danza scene. Uh, Dyer had a really good event. Um, you know, those, the, the Arizona, Colorado, Nevada area, man, just, uh, this certainly doesn't lack talent. Um, that's for sure. And I'm, I'm excited that Queen Creek's going to be coming down, um, and, and playing in our, our five, the second annual five tool festival, um, in the spring. So after the Reds, we have the White Sox under class, um, a group of, say like the mid midwest midwest kind of yeah. that that neck of the woods um Carson um Bromba I think I mispronounced his name uh, unfortunately when I interviewed him which was not very good uh was up to 96 miles an hour the hardest he's ever th- he had the highest uh average fastball for the event now granted that was only one inning yeah even told us he went in there to. Yeah, he knew he was. He, he's like, I got one inning. I'm gonna let it let it rip. Uh, and he he did up to 96 miles an hour. Uh, actually, struck out Dean Moss, uh, which was, I think was the only time Dean Moss struck out. Uh, I think he ended up getting him. Uh, it was really impressive pitching too. Kind of tried to get him to nibble on the changeup, and then came back with a power fastball up. Um, got the whiff there, and he also had like the highest rotational acceleration as a hitter too, like by a wide margin, it wasn't close. Um, you know, they, all these hitters, when they go, they have the blast sensor on their knob. Um, so it can kind of track bat speed, how much you're rotating, all that sort of stuff. So um, had that in, in his back pocket as well, but um, fun event there. Um, Ethan holiday, just mega prospect. Like he was so close to launching a few balls. Um, yeah. Like when he got into a fastball count and he was ahead in the count and it was time to let one rip, it was maybe the best bat speed in the event. It was a great left-handed swing. Uh, he's gosh, he's probably what, like six, two, six, three already. He's going to he fill listed, out. He listed at six, four, 200. He, yeah. He, he, I think that's probably right. Uh, he made me feel small. That's for sure. Uh, he's going to hit for a ton of power and he's going to hit. And he made a couple of plays defensively at shortstop that were really, really high level stuff. Um, he, he was a really good standout. Um, and then, and Jaden Fowski catcher heading to Louisville, uh, certainly one of the best players in the event, bar none, uh, really good prospect, really good performer, um, got into a home run. He ne- nearly hit a couple other ones as well. Uh, good barrel field, um, good path to the baseball, not a lot of swing and miss in the profile. Um, 
really talented behind the dish as well. Um, I mean, Louisville, like we know their track record with catchers. Um, if he makes it to the campus, he's certainly got a chance to be one of their better ones that they've had, which is really saying something because they've had a really a bunch of really, really good players. But um, Max Bushy had a guy that we're familiar with. Um, he had some strong moments behind the dish defensively, um, liked what I saw there. Uh, but uh, a fun group. Uh, you know, Sawyer Deering was a guy I liked on the mound. Uh, one of my favorite deliveries, just a lot of athleticism, repeated it through strikes. The stuff was promising. Um, a guy that I believe entered the event as uncommitted and I'm sure that his phone uh, was getting a lot of text messages and a lot of attention after this event, because he certainly threw really, really well. Yeah, definitely one of the best uncommitted arms uh, out there uh, for the entire event. Ezra Essex, uh, OSU commit, really good athlete. Uh, Jeter Worthley uh, behind the plate was extremely athletic. And I thought I found this funny. So I'm imagining somebody he's related to is a fan of Derek Jeter. Um, And I also thought it was funny. He's committed to Michigan, which I believe is where Derek was committed uh, before being drafted. Oh yeah. Derek's a big go blue guy. That's right. And then one of the best hitters I thought in the entire event, Mason Braun uh, took some really, really good swings um, and just really impacted the ball. I thought he could, he just looks like a hitter, um, you know, just strong kid. Uh, saw that he decommitted yesterday, I think, from Virginia Tech. So um, wondering if there's some big programs on the prowl for, for a hitter like that. But Enzo and Felice, uh, another hitter, uh, or excuse me, well, yes, a hitter, uh, performed really well at the plate, but catcher. Uh, so OU had two catching commits uh, on this team uh, but a big physical right-handed hitting catcher, uh, swung the bat really well. And then Mark Brissy, a uh, big right-handed pitcher committed to Arkansas out of Batesville, Arkansas, <clears throat> uh, had written down. And then one more, Caden Crowell uh, from Valparaiso, Indiana, uh, left-handed pitcher uh, that I thought performed really well in his outing as well. So, uh, And, and it, we're, we're forgetting the most famous name on the list. Uh, Landon Tomei. Uh, what jack jack bauer okay famous <laughs> name. Okay, yeah. jack yeah jack somewhere there somewhere there's a coach in oklahoma that that's chuckling right now yeah jack uh he had a good outing liked what i saw at him stuff was good landon tomei um athletic infielder uh that we mentioned going into the event um you know he's you can see why he's good uh moved around well uh, results weren't great for him but he's a guy with those bloodlines and that athleticism that you know is a good player so uh but yeah jack bauer famous name yeah there there was definitely some <laughs> going around behind the behind the plate from some of the scouts when he came up to bat because of the name but uh performed well ma- gonna make his own name for himself aside from being a tv star or tv character yeah i thought he was he was one of the best lifting pitchers um in the event for sure just was uh he was up to 93 miles an hour um really good curveball kind of one of those two plane high spin breaking balls um you know you can see why virginia jumped on him early because um i think he's got some he's got some special upside on the mound um yeah a couple other guys swain um this, he was up to 94 miles an hour richie swain uh, i believe still uncommitted from missouri 
um, manipulated the breaking ball some. Like the control was kind of hit or miss, but um, you know, I thought that his stuff was better than his line. I think he's the guy that's got a lot of stuff that when he gets an opportunity to harness it, uh, there's going to be an opportunity to really unlock some um, some really dominant perf- potential there. Um, Mitchell Crowell, another left-handed guy that really stood out. Um, a lot of uh, you can see Louisville does a lot of work in the Midwest. Um, they certainly got a lot of guys that um, stood out. Um, Landon Schaefer from Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, just really smooth, just athletic, just kind of like the way of the actions, the body movements, um, you know, long-term projection wise, what he could become at shortstop, um, I think is, is certainly exciting there, but, uh, well, yeah, White Sox group, both the underclass group and the upper class group certainly represented their area as well. Um, a lot of guys that could pitch and, you know, a lot of physical guys that could hit as well. Um, so that leaves us with our last group, which is the Yankees underclass group. Um, this was, they were my favorite team. They were my favorite team in the underclass for sure. I think, yeah. And I think they performed the best too. Um, you know, three Oh and one performed consistently. Well, talk about hitters. You talk about pitchers. Um, I mean, and, you and know, it, I think overall, this was the best catching team in the underclass event as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Uh, I mean, they're running out dudes after dudes on the mound, uh, but the top of their lineup, when they would go Everett Johnson, who's just a stud, uh, just like a left-handed hitting center fielder, just a pesky, quick twitch, top of the order, like ball player, man. He is just so much fun to watch. And when they would go him and Eli Willits, who <laughs> Eli Willits hit 714. Like that's, that's unbelievable. With just one strikeout. Um, he had a triple, he's flying around the bases. Like when they would hit those two guys near the top of the lineup. Um, I mean, just like, it's, it's hard to beat those two guys for sure. I mean, we know how much of a fan of Eli Willits I am. And then he went out to area code and, and hit seven fourteen as a 2026 prospect, just tremendous. Um, Jamie Z jr. I, I love that kid. Just, uh, just like a like a ball player, uh, kind of compact but kind of physical, strong frame, um, but it has some athleticism, like middle of the diamond type of player. Just looks like one of those guys that's going to set the tone for your team. Like, like got hit by a pitch, ah, no problem. Like, like work work counts. Tough guy to get out. Really thinks the game at a high level on defense. The ball gets in and out of his glove really, really quickly. Um, good actions defensively. He's certainly a guy that really caught my attention. And then um, Aiden Ruiz um, didn't have the best stat line, but I thought he took good at bats, uh, played the game hard, uh, flew around the bases, good actions defensively. One of the cool things about area code is like, they'll move these guys around on defense. So a group like this that has got several guys that could play shortstop at a really high level, you get to see him at second, you get to see him at third. And sometimes you get to see him in the outfield as well. And the Ruiz is one of those guys that profiled really well at a number of places uh, I just really appreciated the way he played, especially for a younger guy. Having that that sort of motor at that age uh, is is really really promising. Yeah, <clears throat> this team, uh, man, they rolled out arm after arm after arm, and they actually they had a group that could catch them. Uh, Bradley McCafferty, uh, Duke commit, two thousand twenty six, 
could really catch. Uh, Easton Massey, um, who I think is a hockey player as well, based on his profile, um, that that we like because of the Mark Payton hockey connection, but uh, can really, really catch and throw. His dad works in baseball, but uh, really, really good catching group there for the Yankees. And they needed it because they had some big-time stuff. Yeah. Uh, Miles Upchurch, uh, who I believe is recently uncommitted, was committed to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess probably had to do with the coaching change there. But uh, what a funny thing about Miles, um, you know, it's when you go to all these things, you forget sometimes how big of a deal these are to the families and the kids and all that. And I was, we, we were enjoying it. His mom was into it. She was down sitting in the front row and she was like locked in. Um, and you could tell she was very nervous and rightfully so. Like, it's a big deal. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. You know, we, I mean, this, some of these outings can help tell you what your future is going to be. <laughs> and that's a lot. And, you know, the, the parents feel it, uh, a lot of times, a lot more than the kids do, but I was enjoying it. She was definitely into it, uh, talking up some other parents, but, um, it was really fun watching miles pitch because he's a big time arm. I'm sure he's, his phone's been ringing off the hook since the event yeah. or since he decommitted from Maryland, but a uh, lot of really special kid there um, on the mound. Got a lot of upside. Danny Nelson. Um, I think who you got that, you know, came in and in relief and got a laser hit back yes. and he caught it. And it was, you know, he, sometimes guys just act like it was no big deal. Some of them act like their life was just flashed before their eyes. And I think Danny fell in that category, but it ended the game too. It came in to get one yep. out and made an unbelievable re- reactionary play. Uh, but then he came out and, uh, a couple of times and, and did really well. Clemson commit out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, one of the, the best arms. I mean, he's going to challenge uh, Seth Hernandez for one of the best outings out there, but Zion Theopolis, a guy that we oh, yeah. in the event, uh, made the all-tournament group as a pitcher. Uh, LSU commit out of uh, Archbishop Moeller High School in Cincinnati. He's electric. There's uh, a lot to like there. The stuff, the competitiveness, the feel, like he he's elite, um, and he showed it. Uh Bud Coombs, who is a played outfield, just a hit really the ball hard a lot, hit the ball really hard, <laughs> physical, uh, listed at 5'10, 188. I find that hard to believe. Um, he's a, a from what I've gathered, he's a really good running back. Saw that he was actually committed or not committed, but had been offered by Duke for football. Um, sometimes, oh, interesting. So, we'd be curious to see if he'd be a guy that's a candidate to do both. Uh, but Duke has definitely. Uh, up their game and then the recruiting profile with some of the guys that we saw over these two weeks. Um, but not that Bud's committed to there, but I found that as an interesting possibility when I was flipping through his Twitter. Marcelo Harsh, uh, one of my favorite arms by far for the entire event. Uh, it's funny, like sometimes you know some of these guys coming in, sometimes you don't. But then you look over and look, look at their commitment and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like Wake had a lot of those guys. Um, oh, yeah. They, they figured it out. Um, and they are going after the right type of guys. And and it's guys that are good now, but, like, their future is through the roof. And mm-hmm. Marcelo Harsh was one of those guys for me. Uh, Jordan Serrano, another Wake commit from the Stony Brook School in New Jersey. But, man, he hit a home run. I think there was, I want to say, 
three, only three or four home runs hit in the entire underclass, and he hit one of them. But really good show. He hit it. He hit it off of a ninety-four mile an hour fastball, Fulbright, and he yeah. hit it oppo. Oh, right. Yeah, and I think it tied the. I think it tied the game. I think it did. It did. They were down. That was the last inning. I think it may have been the last out. Actually, yeah, it could have been the last out. And he, uh, he changed the fortunes of that game real quick. Uh, He's got some juice. Yeah, going back to Duke, uh, Justice DeJong, um, one of the most interesting players in the entire event, was really, really, really good off the mound. I, one of my favorite guys overall for the entire event. was Justice DeJong. Uh, another another uh, parent, you could tell his his mom, I, I assume it was his mom, was down there filming, uh, saw her. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, this team was loaded. And, like, you know, I think, you know, Vanderbilt gets credit for starting the trend of going up and finding these guys from the East. Yeah. And that trend has continued with a lot of these kids going to – you know, these high profile academic schools, you know, a lot of them looks like they go to private schools. If you scroll through the scroll through the roster, but what I, what I find exciting about them is that they are definitely, um, you know, they don't, because of the weather, um, they don't get the exposure or the reps that some of the kids in the Southern parts of the country, like in Texas and California do, but man, like you can see what some really exciting futures for a lot of these kids. I mean, I, like I said, this was my favorite team in the underclass group by far. Um, Bennett Kurar, uh did some nice things. Uh, but <laughs> if Tate Salthacine wasn't my favorite player, it was Rhett Johnson. Yeah, um, he's know, good. About him. I think I believe he's a North Carolina State commit. But, yep. man, you, you you talk about having him and Eli Willits and a guy like Salthacine at the top of your lineup. Like, <laughs> it's – I mean, those, those are guys that get on and they don't just get on base. Like they get mm-hmm. on, they create havoc. Um, it was just, they get on looking to be aggressive, looking to run. And it's not an out of control running style either. It's not just they're fast. They get on, they're going to yeah, steal. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They're going to mess with you. They're going to make you think about them. Mm-hmm. They're going to steal. And then you're still going to be thinking about them when they're on second. And you're going to make a bad pitch because you're thinking about the guy on second stealing third. Um, those are the types of players those guys kind of are. And, you know, you play a premium. I mean, like, I don't like, I'm not <laughs> comparing Rhett Johnson to Trey Turner, but that North Carolina state, uh, you know, commitment and similarity there, like they're just guys that can control a, uh, control a baseball game with their athleticism and, and their ability to create runs and create havoc on the bases. And I just like, I, Man, he was he was an incredibly fun player to watch, and and like you said, him and Eli Willis at the top of the line. Yeah, that's unfair. Yeah, it's 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 pretty special, but uh, but yeah, that like I said, that this Yankees group was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, had some seemed to have some real personality and characters on the team, um, and in the stands. Um, yeah, yeah, you could you were, could hear him. Yeah, they were they were definitely they were definitely the highlight of the event for me and. I really enjoyed watching that team play for sure. Yeah, they didn't lack size on the mound either. I mean, Eric Peralta, just a big, tall, physical presence from the right side, super uncomfortable at bat, was up to 93. Sinker slider guy, low spin changeup as well. Um, just a lot of upside there. Um, from New York, um, uncommitted, or at least he was when he headed into the event. Uh, and then Joe Nottingham, uh, oh, yeah. just really yeah. like the way the arm worked, like tall, lean, some projection, 
quick, loose arm. Um, yeah, just there's no telling how good he can be. Yeah, there's just a he's one of those guys you can tell like um, he ended up striking out five, walked four, struck out five. I think he's going to throw more strikes in the future just because of the way he moved. But I almost, I almost like you see a lot of these these northeast and kind of midwest and stuff like that. You see some of these pitchers, and it's like they haven't quite had the specialization or the ton of reps yet, which I think is a, is a good thing in a lot of cases, because there's just so much more growth um, that's going to come for these guys. And I think he's a classic example of that. Uh, you mentioned Zio Phyllis, um, his slider, like the slider feel to the glove side, it was just like automatic. I mean, it was, I had a future 60 command and control written down for him. I mean, that's how good of a feel and strike throwing and execution that he had. It might've been the only guy I wrote that down for that high. I mean, it was is that really, what is that what you're going with? Theophilus? Is that what it, what, how? I got my, I'm going with Theophilus. Theophilus? Theophilus. Theophilus. Yeah. I wonder if he's like Greek or something. That kind of sounds like, like that name. Um, well, I don't know. You know me, I'm not the expert on names by any means. So I, I would, I'll defer to you. Um, you mentioned harsh, just, it was a, like a mean sinker. Like it was a lot of life. Uh, De Jong had one of the most electric um, pitching appearances of anybody. He's up to 93, um, curveball 74, 77, uh, firm changeup 70, 85. Um, just a guy that could to really rack up the swings and misses. Um, up church, uh, I believe had two appearances, I think. And um, the first one was kind of feeling his way through a little bit. Then he came out again in relief. Yeah, he did have two appearances and was really, really good. Uh, really promising three pitch mix. Um, I like the make of uh, of what he's got potentially long term. Uh, you mentioned the catchers, Andrew Costello. To me, I just wrote down future leader. Like the just guy just exuded the type of like baseball makeup that you want a catcher to have. Strong hands too. Um, not the biggest guy, but. Uh, can impact the baseball, took really good at-bats. Another Wake Forest guy. I mean, it's just – you look at who they had committed, and it was like, yeah, like that guy. Um, you mentioned Nelson. Um, <laughs> he, had, he had the Dustin May flow going on the mound and threw a ton of strikes with four pitches. Um, is, a, is a repeatable delivery, a bunch of strike throwing. I, that's the kind of guy to me that uh, if he gets on campus at Clemson, he's got the makings of – of making an early impact there, but well, it's funny. Uh, I, I was looking. I was looking at his Twitter, and somebody one of the first comments in one of the one of the videos of him throwing was like, "Clemson, you found your Rhett Louder." Um, and you know the hair checks out, the stuff checks out. The only thing that doesn't fit is that he's going to Clemson and not Wake. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he was he was he was fun to watch pitch for sure. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Buckles, I thought Tulane commit commanded the strike zone. Well, uh, just, yeah, like you said, like this, this group was, was really, really enjoyable to watch um, and just up and down, just hitters, pitchers, catchers, defense, the energy these guys played with uh, it was a joy. And uh, that's a good group to end on. Um, That's all of the underclass teams from area code, all eight teams. If you've missed any of our video coverage, I mean, we got videos after videos after videos, uh, both on our Twitter pages, the regional accounts, but also the five tool profiles. We made sure to upload everything um, to the player profiles. And it's really easy too. You can just go to fivetool.org, search for a name, and we've got, you know, an area code badge assigned to their profile. So you can click the badge 
and it'll bring up everybody that played in the event, um, the underclass badge and the upper class badge. So it's a really easy way to kind of track, oh, hey, you know, I want to learn more about this guy. See if you click on his page, see if he's got some videos on there. Um, if anyone did anything, um, chances are we got it. Um, got I know, it. Uh, like, I think we we were kicking ourselves because we might have missed like two whole plays the entire event. One was just a, a phone malfunction um, where it's just like, no, both were a phone malfunction to where one the iPhone glitched on one and the other one. It, the sun was so hot on phones that you would click record and sometimes it would delay like two seconds. Um, so that's just, uh, you know, uh, it was only 80 degrees, but that sun down there can beat on those phones and, and kind of take it out of you. But really, really fun event. Um, I, I Once uh, we get through the upper class and I update our 2024 Texas list, I'm going to go through and do kind of a team by team breakdown, just some notes. A lot of it will just be kind of written form of, of what we talked about here, but just kind of um, going back through all the notes and, and the little things jotted down and, and, and doing a re- kind of team by team report on these guys. Cause um, a lot of the really fantastic players, but a lot of uncommitted players too. Um, I know that um, college coaches are going to be definitely interested in and certainly the ones there uh, we're, we're, we're getting after it, recruiting guys and getting some commitments uh, during the event and immediately after event, which is no surprise given the talent level. But uh, you got anything else before we uh, before we duck out of here? F- uh, football camp is is going. Um, are you were you content with with where Texas was in the first AP poll? Did you think it was too high, too low, or or where it needed to be? Um, it's fine. Fine. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I want us to be any higher at this point. Mm-hmm. Make us, That's fair. Make us earn it a little bit, but I'm pretty excited about this group so far. Um, yeah. Trying to contain it, uh, not have my heart broken again. Uh, but it's going to be tough, tough to stop that offense. Uh, assuming everyone performs remotely close to what we're thinking that they can do. Um but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay, wait and see for a little while. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'll get too excited at some point, and then over the top mad at some point. Um, but yeah, no, I, all things good so far. They can stay healthy. Knock on wood. Um, that'll be a big component for that for this group for sure. Yeah, some of the things being said about the receivers and offensive line um, is certainly certainly eye opening. Uh, for sure, some of the comparisons being thrown around about those two groups. So. Just, just for the people that may be new listeners to us, we're talking about the Texas football team. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows. Yeah, hey, hey, you saw who was uh, who was number nine in that poll? Yeah, yeah. Mike Nor- Mike Norbell Seminoles coming yeah. on strong. Yeah, opening up with the Bayou Bengals. I don't know if I like well, somebody, somebody is going to get eliminated from, from real contention on, on game one that week. So yeah, that'll, that's kind of, that's kind of the bummer. Well, like you play those, it used to be, you play those so early that you could kind of work your way back. But now it's just like people just hold the loss against you no matter well, what. If, but, you're, if you're, if you're LSU and you lose, you're, you know, the likelihood of you going undefeated the rest of the way. That is gauntlet. Yeah. It's tough. And, but then if you're Florida state, because a more wiggle room. The other, the other side of it, like you're gonna have to really like pound Clemson and and 
you know, potentially Notre Dame and like mm-hmm. you're you're gonna have to like you you're, you have no margin for error and you're gonna have to beat the no. breaks off some people to be in the mix. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of the the way the ACC is, and I guess Florida State's gonna hang out in the ACC uh, a little bit longer. So yeah, we're uh, we're we're not quite done turning the page completely on the summer. Uh, part of the baseball calendar, but in terms of uh, events, uh, area code was the like, kind of the the finale of events we attend before um, summer turns to fall, and uh, we get going with some of the scout team um, games and some of our fall events and things like that. So, thanks for tuning in again. You can uh, get to Five Tool on Twitter or any of the regional coverage or regional accounts to follow all of our area code coverage, uh, go onto the website, fivetool.org and click those player profiles. You can kind of see any video we have. It's, it's on that player profile page. You can check that out. And again, um, in the future, we'll have kind of a, a detailed deep dive um, through each team as we kind of go back through our notes um, and, and the standout performances um, at area code. Now that we're back and now that our wives threw our kids at us um, because we were gone for nine or 10 days, uh, it's like, here, here's the three-year-old, here's the one-year-old, or in your case, almost one-year-old. Uh, you guys are in charge of them for a little while. So, yeah. So, uh, the kids were happy to see us, but I think the wives were happier to see us because help the reinforcements, the reinforcements arrived. They were happier to see us or happier that we were home. Right, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a difference. Yeah, there's there's a definite difference for sure. But, yeah, it's okay. The, ki- the kids were excited, which which makes it all for it. All right, uh, that wraps us up. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 5ToolPod. Follow us on Instagram as well at 5ToolPod. And next up will be the upper class breakdown on the next 5Tool podcast. And until then, take care.